Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time where we can spend looking at your word together. Lord, we do thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ that we can gather around your word and listen to you speak as our Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray this morning as we look at the life of Joseph that we may indeed see what you have to teach us there about your son, Jesus Christ. We pray for anyone here this morning who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus. We pray that this morning you may open their eyes so they may indeed see who he is and what he has done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have brothers and sisters, how is your relationship with them? Are they people that you get along well with or do you have disagreements with them from time to time? I know that growing up with my own sisters, I definitely had uh, disagreements with them, and one in particular, we always seemed to fight. We enjoyed fighting with one another, and I even remember that that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to become a Christian, is because my father had told me repeatedly that you cannot fight with your sister and be a Christian. You can't uh, profess faith in Jesus Christ and then enjoy fighting with your sister. And so I thought, oh, well, I will just wait until I'm about to die. I will then profess faith in Christ then, and that means I can fight with my sister as much as I like until I'm just about to die. So fighting with my sister was definitely something that I enjoyed doing as I was growing up. This morning we're going to look at the relationship between siblings, between particularly at first Joseph and his brothers. Joseph and his brothers. Now Joseph is a major character in the Bible and, uh, and as we see at the end of Genesis, many chapters are devoted to him and his life and particularly his relationship with his brothers. This morning we're going to have a broad sweep of that life of Joseph and then we're going to look at how Joseph relates to Jesus and then of course to us. And so this morning we'll be concentrating on pretty much Genesis chapter 37 in detail. So I encourage you if you've got a black church Bible there, have it open to page 38 page 38. And the first thing we're going to look at this morning is the relationship between Joseph and his brothers. And that's my first main point, the relationship between Joseph and his brothers. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see on the back my main points and follow along as we go through those. And my first is the relationship between Joseph and his brothers. And we see firstly in chapter 37 of Genesis that Joseph had a poor relationship with his brothers. Why did he have a poor relationship with his brothers? Well, there's actually quite a few reasons. Firstly, Joseph is one for checking up on his brothers, and uh, we see that a couple of times in chapter 37. On page 38, at verse 14 of Genesis chapter 37, we see there that uh, Joseph's father uses Joseph to find out what his brothers are up to. Verse 14, little number 14 of Genesis chapter 37, says... So he said to him, that's his father, to Joseph, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. But we know that Joseph, when he found out his brothers were doing bad things, he used to report on that as well. And so we see that back in verse 2. Jump back with me to verse 2 of Genesis chapter 37. And we see that... We read, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilphah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, generally speaking, if you're one to bring bad reports about your siblings to your parents, do your siblings generally like you for doing that? There's a, a name for that, isn't it? A dobber. 
There is a, and, and dobbers in a family are never appreciated. Uh, they are usually looked down upon and there is a poor relationship with them. But it's not just that that means that Joseph and his brothers don't get along. We see other reasons why they don't like Joseph. And one of the other reasons is because Joseph's father expresses love for Joseph more than any of the other brothers. We see that in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 37. Verse 3 of Genesis chapter 37, little number 3 says, Now Israel loved, that's the dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him a richly ornamented robe for him. Israel shows a particular love to one son and makes a special robe for that son. Now, what do you think his brothers do in response to that? Well, carry on with verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him, Joseph, more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. They recognize that dad loves Joseph more than them and they hate him accordingly. And then another reason why they hate Joseph so much is because Joseph has a dream. And this dream, and he has a couple of dreams, and these dreams say something about Joseph's future and his brothers. And we see that in verse 8. Verse 8 of chapter 37. Uh, Well, we'll go back to verse 6. Uh, He said to them, Joseph, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now you may be going, what's this on about? Well, his brothers know exactly what is being revealed in this dream. Verse 8 says, his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? His dream is saying that his brothers will bow down to him at some point in the future. Now, does that make for a good relationship between Joseph and his brothers? Continue reading verse 8. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Joseph had a poor relationship with his brothers because he was a dobber, because his father loved him more than the rest, and because he said to them that one day you're going to bow down to me. And many of his brothers were older than him. They would not take kindly to that thought. And we see that there. And they hated him so much that what do they end up wanting to do? They want to kill him. And we see that in verse 18 of chapter 37. We read in verse 18, but they saw him, that's the brothers, saw Joseph in the distance and before he, Joseph, reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They hate him so much they want to kill him. And they end up not killing him, but they still do something pretty bad to him that you should never do to any of your siblings. And that is they sell him into slavery for money. And we see that in verse 28 of chapter 37. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. His brothers hated Joseph and they ended up selling him as a slave to Egypt. But then we see that 
Some interesting things happen in Egypt, and we didn't read those this morning, but if you are aware of the story, you'll know much of this. Gradually, Joseph makes his way up to being the second in command of all of Egypt. And we see that in verse uh, 41 of chapter 41. Flip with me over to chapter 41, so page uh, 43 of your church Bibles, page 43. Basically, through a series of circumstances, Joseph works his way up. And in verse 41, we see Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, said to Joseph in verse 41 of of chapter 41, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph was sold as a slave to Egypt, but then what do we see? He eventually works his way up to being second in command. And then a famine breaks out in the land, a famine that affects much of that whole region, and we see that in verse four, uh, chapter 42, verse 1. It comes even to where his brothers are living back in the land of Canaan. We see in chapter 42, verse 1, on page 43 of your Black Church Bibles, when Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, Jacob is Joseph's father, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. The famine is so great that Joseph's father and Joseph's brother, who are living a long way away, are possibly going to die because they're going to run out of food. The famine is that severe. And so this famine comes along, and then eventually Joseph's brothers come down and have to appeal to Joseph, who has grain in Egypt, so that they can have food to live, so that they won't die, so that their hunger can be removed. And the brothers are actually forced to go and bow down to Joseph. Chapter 42, verse 6. We read chapter 42, verse 6, page 44 of your Black Church Bibles. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived wanting grain, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Those dreams that Joseph had come true. These brothers, they tried to get rid of him. They said, we'll kill him and see what comes of his dreams. What has happened? Joseph's now in charge of Egypt. They've run out of food. They're coming there. They've recognised what they've done. Uh, they, they've recognised that they need help. And they have to bow down before their brother Joseph, even though they don't realise at this point that it is Joseph who they're bowing down to. But eventually Joseph makes himself known to his brothers and we see that in chapter 45, verse 1. Chapter 45 of Genesis, uh, page 47 of your Black Church Bibles. Flip with me there, page 47 of your Black Church Bibles. We see there in verse 1 of chapter 45, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph reveals to his brothers eventually who he is, that he really is Joseph, the one who they thought they would kill, 
but then sold as a slave. He reveals himself to them. And what is their reaction? Well, we read their reaction in verse uh, verse 3 of chapter 45. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. They know what they have done to Joseph in the past. And they know now that they are in Joseph's hands, that whatever Joseph wants to do, he can certainly do to them. And they are absolutely terrified. But then instead of taking out personal revenge upon his brothers, what do we see Joseph do? Joseph forgives his brothers and urges them to draw near to him. We see that in verse 4 of chapter 45. Chapter 45, verse 4, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. He actually welcomes them to him. He says, draw near to me as a sign of love and forgiveness towards his brothers. And Joseph does this because he recognises the hand of God through all of these circumstances. And he does not bear a personal grudge against his brothers, but recognises that his suffering was being used by God to bring about great good for his own family and for many others. And we see that as we read on in verse 5 of chapter 45. What does Joseph say? And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be not be ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. It was a terrible thing that Joseph's brothers did to him. It was a wrong thing. But Joseph forgives them because he knows that through that wrong thing, God has brought about the salvation of those people, that they're actually going to be able to live because Joseph was able to be there in Egypt and store up grain in preparation for the coming famine. He was able to preserve a remnant through Joseph. Now, how is this story about Joseph, this record about Joseph, helpful for you as a Christian? Well, in many ways, Joseph is a shadow of Jesus Christ. Much of the Old Testament, it has little shadows of Jesus Christ. It points to who Jesus is. And Joseph is just one example of the life of Jesus. Because in many ways, the things that happened to Jesus also happened to Joseph. Those things that we just went through about Joseph's life, we can see them in the life of Jesus as well. And we'll do that now. Because that brings me to my second main point this morning, the relationship between Jesus and his brothers. The relationship between Jesus and his brothers. Who are Jesus' brothers? Well, Jesus' brothers are, of course, all of humanity in one way. He is a human just like the rest of us, descended from Adam, just like all of us are descended from Adam. But he also has brothers which are special brothers, the Jews, who is descended from through Israel, through the same father of Joseph. He is a Jew as well. And so when Jesus comes into the world, he comes to his brothers. And we see in the New Testament the relationship that Jesus has with his brothers. What kind of relationship is that? 
Well, we see it's a poor relationship as well. When Jesus comes into the world, he doesn't have a good relationship with his brothers. Instead, he has a bad relationship, just like Joseph had with his brothers as well. Firstly, we see that Joseph's brothers don't like Jesus because he does something. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus' brothers don't like Jesus because of something they didn't like Joseph for. What's that? Jesus checks on his brothers and brings bad reports about them as well. Remember Joseph did that? And we see that in, an example of that is in John 8, 44, where we read, Jesus says to the fellow Jews around him, you belong to your father the devil and want to carry out your father's desire. He's commenting about the way that they're living. What do they think of that? They're not quite happy about that. That's a bad report about them. And so they hate Jesus accordingly. We also see that like Joseph, Jesus revealed that he has a father who loves him dearly more than the rest of the human race, more than all the other brothers. Jesus says, the father loves the son and shows him all he does in John 5.20. He reveals again and again that God loves him as his only begotten son. A very particular love is shown to Jesus in comparison to the rest of the human race and in comparison to the Jews who are the special beloved race of God. But then God has this special love for Jesus. Does that go down well with the Jews? No, they don't like that at all. When Jesus reveals about the love that God has for him and his relationship with the Father... We see that they hate him. John 5 verse 18, it says, For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him, that is Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus was calling God his father and saying, I've got a special relationship with God. And the Jews understood what he was saying and wanted to kill him because he was saying that. And just like Joseph revealed... Uh, that he would rule over his brothers, Jesus also revealed that he would rule over his brothers. In that passage that we just read from Matthew 26, verse 64, Matthew 26, verse 64, he said, Jesus says, Yes, it is as you say, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. He says that while on trial before the Sanhedrin, he says, one day you will see me coming on the clouds of heaven and I'm coming to rule over you. What did they think of that? Well, we read the very next verse, Matthew 26, verse 65. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. They hate Jesus because of what he has said about his future rule over them, just like Joseph's brothers hated him because of what he said about his future rule over them. And so what do we see Jesus' brothers planning to do? Kill Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 66, the very next verse we read, What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. He is worthy of death. They want to kill Jesus. And similarly to selling off Joseph, really what they're doing to Jesus is selling him off so that they can enjoy the pleasures that they want. Earlier in Jesus' life, the, the religious leaders hold a meeting 
And Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, we read in John 11, verse 49, spoke up and said to the rest there, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He wants the whole nation to be preserved, all his brothers, and will trade off Jesus instead so that we can be free and so that we can enjoy what we're currently doing. They're selling Jesus off for sin. They want to continue in their sin and they know they need to get rid of Jesus to do so. Yet, like Joseph's brothers, Jesus' brothers were unable to remove Jesus from their lives. It's very interesting. All those religious leaders, they get around, they think if we kill off Jesus, we'll get rid of him and he'll never be a problem to us again. But just like Joseph was raised up out of the pit and continued to live, Jesus was raised from the pit as well. He was risen from the grave and he has been put in charge of all things. Just like Joseph was put in charge of all of Egypt and then other nations as they came to him and begged for grain. And Peter actually tells us this in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. He says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. He's telling Jesus' brothers, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What a statement for those people to hear. They've just crucified the one who has now been made Lord and Christ, the one who is the Messiah, the one who is over all things. How did Jesus' uh, Jesus' brothers react when they heard that news? Well, like Joseph's brothers, many of them felt the pain of their action and were terrified about what they'd done. And we see that in the very next verse. After Peter, it says in Acts chapter 2.36, Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. What, What happens next? When the people heard this, the brothers of Jesus, the fellow Jews, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They are concerned. They have killed the one who is now Lord and Christ. Surely he is going to want to reap vengeance upon them for what they have done. But thankfully, like Joseph, Jesus welcomes his brothers to him despite their sinfulness. Jesus makes many statements about forgiveness for those who will repent of their sins. And when people repent of the sin, their sins in the New Testament, they come to Jesus and are welcomed. Jesus makes that statement while he was here on earth. Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He welcomes those who recognize the tragedy of their sin, and he gives them rest and forgiveness. Because like Joseph, Jesus recognized that although what the people did to him was a great evil in crucifying him, It is sin what they did. God used that sin of crucifying him to bring about great good. Those things that Joseph said about his time being sinned against by his brothers and how God used that to preserve a remnant, Jesus says that as well. He speaks about his own death. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is speaking about his own death there in John 12, 24, when he says that. He's saying, unless I die, I can't produce anything. But if I die, I can produce many seeds. I can produce a great plant, the kingdom of God. 
and it will be much good. I will preserve a remnant of people who have sinned, but they will be saved by my death on the cross. So we see this marvellous parallel between Joseph. So many things that happened to Joseph also happened to Jesus and his brothers. The question is, what does this have to do with you? I've shown a parallel between Joseph and Jesus in the New Testament. What does this have to do with you? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning, the relationship between Jesus and you. The relationship between Jesus and you. Because like with his Jewish brothers, Jesus checks up on you and condemns you for the sin that you have committed. Jesus brings bad reports about you to the Father on a regular basis. And Jesus also reveals to you through me today, or if you read the word or speak to another Christian, he reveals that he is a dearly loved son more than everybody else. And if we're honest, we like to think that God really likes us. Hopefully more than everybody else. But he reveals that he loves the son more than you. And Jesus has revealed that he will rule the world one day. And so, of course, this actually brings us to hate Jesus. We don't want to have to do with Jesus because he is the one who condemns us for our sins. You may be sitting here this morning and saying, I don't want someone telling me that I'm a sinner, but it's Jesus. I I tell you that, but I do it on the authority of the word, which is Jesus' word. Jesus tells you you're a sinner. And it's not surprising if in your heart at this moment you're rebelling against Jesus' word about that because you don't like bad reports being brought about you. But that's what Jesus does. And Jesus then tells you that one day he will rule over you and that condemnation you have experienced for being a sinner, you'll be punished accordingly. And so, of course, you don't like Jesus. We've all been there. We've all recognised we don't like hearing about our sin and Jesus rule over us. And we hate Jesus accordingly. You may say, oh, I don't hate Jesus. Let me tell you that every time you sin, every time you break one of God's laws, you are trying to get rid of Jesus out of your life. It's like you're throwing him into a pit. It's like you're selling him in slavery. It's like you're killing him. That's what we do when we sin. We want rid of Jesus, just like Jesus' Jewish brothers want rid of him. If we can get rid of this thorn in our side, we will be done and we will have happy lives. And that's what we do when we sin. We just want rid of Jesus out of the equation. But then we realise that every time we've sinned against Jesus, we've wanted rid of him, one day, or we will recognise even now, we recognise that the one who we've tried to hurt, the one we've tried to remove from our lives, Jesus, he has been made both Lord and Christ by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus is revealed as the one who has authority over all things. And if you don't recognise that now, one day you will. When Jesus returns or when you die, you will face judgement before Jesus Christ. Either you recognise it now or recognise it in the future. And I encourage you to recognise it now and be terrified like Joseph's brothers were terrified when they saw Joseph as ruler or like when Jesus' brothers saw what they'd done when Peter revealed to them that Jesus was both Lord and Christ. They were cut to the heart. Be cut to the heart now. Be fearful for what you've done against Jesus. And ask, what must we do? What must I do? Well, the wonderful thing is Jesus forgives. Just like Joseph forgave, just like 
Jesus forgave his brothers, he forgives now. If you will come to him in repentance and faith, if you will turn from your sin and say, yes, I'm sorry for trying to get rid of you, Jesus, out of my life, for hating you for condemning me, for hating you for being more loved by God, for hating you for revealing that you will one day judge me. If you come to him and recognise that you've done that, just like Joseph embraced his brothers, Jesus will embrace you in forgiveness because his death at the cross actually pays for your sins. And so you're no longer at war with Jesus, but at peace with Jesus. So I open this sermon this morning by asking, how is your relationship with your siblings? How is your relationship with your brothers and sisters? I want to finish by asking, how is your relationship with your brother Jesus Christ? All of us in this room are related to Jesus Christ because we're all descended from Adam. We're all, and Jesus was as well. And Jesus was fully human. We are all related to him. How is your relationship with Jesus? Is it one of hatred? Like Joseph's brothers hated Joseph? Or is it one where you've recognised that you've had a troubled past with Jesus, but now you've come to him and experienced his embrace and his forgiveness? Because even when you were sinning, God was bringing that, all that good, it was working for good even in your life and bringing you to repentance and faith in Jesus. I encourage you, if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, do it this morning. Turn to him now. Ask for forgiveness. And he promises to show it to all those who do repent of their sins. Let us come before our God now. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this, this part of your word that portrays your son Jesus Christ so clearly. We thank you for what we can learn from Joseph and his life and how he points to Jesus Christ. We recognise that our relationship with Jesus Christ has not been what it should be. That we have sinned against him in so many ways and we have hated the thought of his rule over us. Lord, we pray that everybody in this room has come to put their trust in Jesus Christ, even if it's just this morning. Lord, we pray that you may awaken us all to recognise the poor relationship we have with Christ. And may we start to have a good one, a good relationship with him because we have turned to him and experienced his forgiveness that he loves to show. And we pray this in his name. Amen.